there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. I'm bringing part two of our encounter slash worship series. And uh, last week, Mike spoke about how we can worship or we need to worship where we want to be, not where we currently are. Do you remember that? He was talking about how we can find ourselves in really dark places, and yet, in those times, we need to worship like we're on the mountaintop. Yeah? Everybody remember that message? Well, this morning, I get to bring part two, uh, which is talking about why we worship. Why we worship. So Mike did where, I'm talking about why. And, uh, and, and this is the, the main point. And once I say this, I'm going to sit down because we all get it. Uh, we worship... Because of who God is. Let me move that before I knock it over. We worship because of who God is. You're all looking at me as if to say, don't be stupid, that doesn't make sense. We'll explain it. That means my job's not done yet. Um, But let me let you into my world a little bit, okay? Uh, Many of you will know that I can play an instrument. Therefore, I would class myself as a musician. (laughs) Others may disagree with that. Uh, I am a musician. I can play bass. I can kind of play guitar if I need to. Um, I like to think I can sing. I'm definitely not a singer. Um, but what that means is that when we come to times of worship, uh, not here, of course, because our worship team were excellent, but in, in other places, I can sometimes find myself getting really distracted in worship. Uh, not because anything's wrong, but because the music isn't great. It's, it's very blunt, forgive me. Like I say, it's not here, ever. Uh, I can find myself getting distracted by what's going on because, like, th- there's a wrong chord. And I'm like, ooh, that hurts. Uh, because I can hear a lovely bass riff that should be there, and it's just not. And I'm like, why? You're missing something. Uh, because sometimes the tempo is way too fast, and I'm like, <gasps> or the key's too high, and I can't actually sing it. So I get really distracted by all these things. Do anybody else feel that? Any musicians in the room, and you think, yeah, sometimes I know what you mean? Yeah, it's okay to admit it. It is okay. Uh, Sometimes I find myself in worship getting distracted by the grammar on the screen. (laughs) Right. There are some people that agree with this, and other people are going, you need to get over it. (laughs) Genuinely, there was a lady. So when we were in One Church Gloucester and serving there, there was a lady that every week would send an email at the end of the service with all the grammatical errors because she was put off, genuinely, she was distracted in worship because the grammar on the screen. <laughs> there were a couple of amens in that moment when I said that. It, it's genuine. And you may think that is utterly ridiculous. You may think that about the music side of things too. But there's a reality in our world where we can get distracted by stuff that's going on, even in a time where our attention should be fixed on Jesus. Right? Do you feel that? There's still some people that don't agree with me. So let me go another step. Uh, maybe you're a bit of a tech whiz and you hear that squeal where there's loads of feedback coming through the speakers anybody get distracted by that sometimes you don't even have to be a tech whiz to know what i'm talking about there that really high-pitched squeal and all you want to do is go and everybody everybody does this one thing when that happens and the reaction is (laughs) anybody ever done that Let me throw this out there very quickly. Every production guy in this room, thank you so much. 
because you never get the credit when things go really well. People don't even notice that you're there, but when it goes wrong, you're the first person. So on behalf of everybody in this room, I'm really sorry that we're so grumpy when things go wrong. I'm really sorry about that, but thank you so much for your service because we couldn't do this without you. And, uh, and most of the time it sounds excellent, right? That's a yes. Good, good. Is everybody on this journey, do you know what I'm talking about? This distraction in worship when sometimes it just doesn't feel like you want to be worshiping. Do you know what that feels like, yeah? Okay, um, so there's some practical examples. Let me go spiritual. Anybody ever walk into church and think, I just don't feel like worshiping? In fact, let's see our, our hands. Anybody ever felt that? And I'm going to throw this out there. And somebody will tell me that I'm wrong, but I bet everybody's had that thought at least once in their life. You've walked through those doors or through the doors of a church that you've been in and you've gone, I just can't be bothered with this. And the worship leader says, right, people, come on, we're going to worship. Stand to your feet. And you're like, ugh. If you're anything like me and you're getting a bit older, as you stand up, you're like, oh, there goes the knee again. Or when the worship leader's in the middle of a song and they say, come on church, we're going to raise our hands together. And you're going, no, I'm not. <laughs> Probably because you've got a bit of an attitude about people telling you what to do. Maybe because you've got sweaty armpits and you're thinking nobody needs that next to me. Or maybe just because you're tired and you're like, don't, you don't know what I'm feeling. Don't tell me what to do. Why should I raise my hands? Anybody ever felt that? I have. Ever been in a situation and all you can think about during worship is, you have no idea how hard life is right now. You have no idea what I'm going through. Don't tell me to be grateful to God when what I'm going through is really hard. Anybody felt that? I have. I'll tell you what, I come regularly and think I'm too tired to worship, I can't be bothered, my week has been rubbish, like life's hard. I, I, why should I worship? Why should I do this? And the truth is that in that moment, my attention has been so dragged away from what the purpose of worship is that I forget that it's about who God is that I worship. I get stuck in a point where I'm going, God, what have you done? Like, why should I worship you for what you've done in my life? Work's rubbish. My boss is an idiot. I don't actually think that about my boss, just to be clear. <laughs> Other members of my team, maybe, but not my boss. I have moments where I just think, God, you have no idea what's going on in my life. Don't, why should I worship you? Like, where have you been when I've needed you this week? Anybody else ever felt that, or is it just me? Because if it's just me, then I need to swap the microphone with you, and you can tell me how to get over this. Like, the reality is that we can turn up to church. We can turn up to moments where uh, we're going to come into a place of worship, and our attention is completely in the wrong place. Because our mindset isn't, I'm going to worship God for who he is. It's, I'm going to worship God for what he's done for me this week. Or I'm going to worship God for what he's done for me in the last month. And most of the time, that's really hard. Because in our humanness, in our humanness, I'm on this journey, everything just seems rubbish. Like, oh, I've really struggled with that again this week. I thought I got over it, but no, apparently not. My drive down here was messed up by an idiot who cut me up. Anybody felt that in church? All the time on the M5. You silly people. I promise you I'm getting out over it. Promise you. But the reality is that when we walk into church and our attention during worship is focused on something else, it's because we've forgotten what the purpose of worship is. 
Worship isn't about what God has done. It's not about how we're feeling. It's not about what's going on in our world right now. Worship is about lifting God into his rightful place for who he is, not what he's done. And who he is never changes, no matter what your circumstances are. Here's what the Bible says about worship. If you've got a Bible, please do turn with me to Psalm 145. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. But in verses 1 to 3, it says this. And this is written by David, King David. Most of the Psalms written by him. Uh, It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. There are some big challenges in that. Every day I will praise your name. When I've had no sleep, I will praise your name. When I've got a snotty email from a client, I will praise your name anyway, God. When I'm really hungry and there's no food in the cupboard, (laughs) I heard an Emily, I'm not going to say it out loud. I will praise your name. No matter what my circumstances, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. That's a challenge for us. I will praise the Lord. I will exalt his name. I will lift him up. I will worship him because of who he is. He's great. He's most worthy of praise. That's a challenge for us. And that's a very real challenge for us because we live in a world where things don't always go right, as we've already explained, as we've already gone through. And everyone's nodded at me at least once, so you know this week. So why do we worship? Not because of what he's done, but we worship for who he is. And and going through that list, I'm sure there would be something that sparks within you. During the conference this weekend, so in worship yesterday, um, I'll tell you the story and I will get over it, I promise. Um, there were three people on stage, three people leading us in worship, and um, there was a guy playing piano. Uh, he, he was a very, very good musician. You could tell that he's put a lot of practice into what he does, but he wasn't great at leading worship. So he was playing all these fancy notes and riffs and like lines and drops and everything else and it was distracting in worship for me because of the way that my brain works there was a guitarist and i'll explain about this guy he's blind completely blind so he was playing the guitar upside down so like a left-handed guitarist and instead of like technique guitars normally play with your hand like that your wrist bent up he plays it with his wrist bent down like for the first few moments that's really distracting because you're like that's all wrong then you realize that he's blind and you get distracted by the fact that this guy's blind and he's better than me. <laughs> but he clashed with what the pianist was doing. And it was distracting for me. It was distracting. And then the lady singing was singing songs that I knew, but the melodies were all over the place. And so she was singing a line that I was expecting to go like... Uh, No, I'm not going to do it. No, because I'll get it so wrong. She was singing lines, and I was thinking, where on earth are you going next? Because I don't actually know. And in that moment, for five minutes, I was distracted. For the first song, I was distracted. 
because that's the reality of the way my brain works. But I made a decision. No, 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 my attention isn't on what's going on up there. My attention is what's going on up there. And um, I've been in situations before where I've been so distracted that that's even harder than it was yesterday by everything that was going on. I was also really hot and sweaty and thinking about raising my hands with the person next to me. I felt really sorry for them. Um, but I've been in times where I've been so distracted that nothing works for me. Like absolutely nothing. And in those times, here's a tool that I've used, that I've learned. We've been given an alphabet of 26 letters, A to Z, in the English alphabet. There's different alphabets that you can use. But I was challenged once, if you've got nothing good to say about God, then start with A. Find a word that will describe God beginning with the letter A. Once you do that, move on. B. So God's amazing. God's brilliant. God's cracking. D. God's daring. E. He's excellent. That's a rubbish way of framing the book. Work your way through the alphabet. Because very quickly, you begin to find the words that you were really struggling with in the first place. And, um, and once you do that, then more words come to you. But if you're in such a place where even those words don't work for you, we have an incredible tool in the Bible that tells us exactly who God is. And so if you've got a notepad or a phone that you're taking some notes on, I'm going to go through a list of things that the Bible says about who God is that will help us in our worship. And not just the words that the Bible says, but where it says about it. Because I've been challenged this week, not just to say the Bible says somewhere, because anybody can make that up, but where it actually says it, okay? So we're going to go on a really quick journey. And if ever you feel like you're really stuck and you can't even think of a word beginning with A to describe God, here's a really good starting point, okay? So the Bible says, God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you're really struggling to worship and you're thinking, how do I describe God? Who is God to me? Well, number one, God is love. God loves you. He always has. He always will. God loves you. God is love. Thank you, God, that you love me. There is worship right there, a starting point for you. Number two, God is infinite. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, God is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. He's infinite more than you could ever think or imagine. He's infinite. So much bigger than even that. Thank you, God, that you're infinite, that you were there before time began, that you'll be there long after I'm on this earth. Thank you, God, that you are infinite. Step two of worship. Number three, God is never changing. Malachi says, I, the Lord, do not change. Which means that God, who was yesterday, will be the same today and will be tomorrow. So what that means for me, and probably for you, is God has done miraculous things in my life years gone by. God's done miraculous things in my life last week. He's done miraculous things in me, my life this week, in this weekend. And so when I get to a point where I go, God, I can't see what you've done for me, I begin to stir up a little bit of something that says, but remember. Because the God that provided for me when I was 17 is the God that will provide for me today. The God that worked a miracle in my life is the God that will work a miracle in my life because he's never changing. He's never changing. So no matter what I come up against, he's still the same God that he was back when things were easy in my life. 
for you, what does that look like? The moment, if, if nothing else, the moment that you came to, into a relationship with God, he is still the same God that you encountered in that moment today, and he will be that tomorrow. Your circumstance may change, but he doesn't. He is never changing. The next one, God is faithful. In Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, it says, But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. So he's talking to the Israelites in this moment about the time when they came out of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Is there a promise that God spoke over to you that you've not seen come to fruition yet? I do. I have that. This verse says God's faithful. So that promise that he spoke to you that you've still not seen or you're not seeing being fulfilled, he's faithful. He'll do it. He will. And even when your circumstances seem like they're even harder than they were before, God is faithful. He'll still do it. Many of you will know the story that we've been on with Carrie, the journey that we've been on. God promised us a healthy little boy. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't look quite like that, but God's faithful. So his story is not finished yet. I'm pointing to Harry. God, Harry's story isn't finished yet. God's faithful. He's faithful to the end. So I'm believing that God's still got more incredible things for that little boy. He's faithful. He's, he's faithful. He's never changing. He's love. He's infinite. He's faithful. Psalm, uh, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. In school, were you ever told off for using the word good to describe something? <laughs> it's that other word like nice. And teachers go, it's not good enough. Give me a better word. And yet good to describe God is perfect. And it's written in his word. God is good. And the reason that good is such a, a good word to use is because it can mean so many things. It's encompassing of, of pretty much every good thing that you could possibly say, and that's God. So if you're really struggling for a word to use to worship God, thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you that you're good to me. And it leads you into the next step of what your worship can be. Uh, the next and last one that I've got here. In Revelation 4, verse 8, and I love this because if it's good enough for the angels to sing, it's darn sure good, good enough for us to sing. God is holy. The angels in heaven sing this constantly, holy, 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 three times. It says it because it's that good a word. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If you can't think of anything else to say to God in worship, thank you, God, because you're holy. And when you can't think of another word to say, thank you, God, because you're holy, because you're holy, because you're holy, because it's good enough for the angels to sing, so it's good enough for us to sing, right? We don't worship God for what he's done. We worship God for who he is. He's good. He's holy. He's faithful. He's never ending. He's infinite. There are so many more words that you could use to describe God. And yet, sometimes we get stuck in a rut because we look at what God has done for us, seemingly, and forget who he is in the first place. So I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you this morning, when worship gets tough, if worship is tough for you right now, remember God is good. 
And when it doesn't seem like God is good, he is. But God's faithful. And when it seems like you're not seeing it, God is holy. And when it doesn't, I, I don't know how you can't see God as being holy. But if those words aren't working for you, look in your Bible on your smartphone and type in who is God and you will get a million and one more than that answers on Google about who God is. Find one that you can stand on in that moment. Because even when it's tough, God is still the same. And if nothing resonates within you, just say thank you God because you are God. When Moses is at the burning bush and he says, who are you? And God says, I am. The reason that he doesn't need to say anymore is because I am is all-encompassing and is who God is. God is the great I am. If you can't think of one word to say, thank you, God, because you are the I am. And most of the time, there will be some more words up on the screen that will help you. Most of the time. If you can't think of anything else to say, or even if those words seem too hard for you, just thank you, God. Thank you, God. It doesn't need any more words. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, for who you are. I think we've got into a place, unfortunately, over time that's been encouraged, told that it's okay sometimes, that worship is hard. Um, I, I want to challenge that thinking and say, if worship has become hard, it's because it's about the wrong thing. Worship has never been about you having a good time in it. Because if that's the case, then you're putting yourself above God. That's a hard truth to hear, isn't it? Worship was never meant to be about you. When Liam picks a set list, he's not thinking about, what do you need me to sing to you this morning? Because whilst his voice can sound lovely and the guitar is good, it's not about you. <laughs> Liam stands here to lead us in worship, not to worship us. He might face us, but his worship is going upwards, not outwards. And that's what our worship has to be. We don't stand here singing towards Liam and saying, you are good, you are good, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, you are good. You are good. Whoa. Worship is about putting God in his rightful place in our lives, which is above all else. And that's hard, right? When a doctor is saying something, you're thinking, that's really big. God's bigger. When you've got a letter through the post saying, your money is not looking great, that's scary because how am I going to pay my bills, my mortgage? How am I going to keep my family safe? How am I going to afford my next meal? Like, it seems big, but God, you're bigger. So I'll worship you. And even if the things that I'm looking for don't change, I'll still worship you because you deserve it. We're going to finish in worship this morning. And um, we're going to change it now. We're going to do rain and stuff. That's okay, please. Um, and the reason I want to do this is because the tag, and we all know it, we've just sung it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. This morning, I genuinely don't know where most of you are coming from in terms of your current situation. And the truth is, even if you told me, I would forget it by lunchtime. 
is the truth. But what I do know is that no circumstance that you're currently facing is big enough to put God off. I know that no circumstance that you can be facing is too big for God to make a difference in. Because that's a journey that we're going in constantly right now. My work sucks, but God's bigger than my work. My boss isn't rubbish, but he's a bit annoying. But God's so much bigger than my boss. We have a little boy who needs some intervention. But God's bigger than a vent. God's bigger than a food pump. God's bigger than the doctors that have told us what could happen. In worship, if I come with the idea that I worship God for what he's done for me, I would not be here every Sunday worshiping God. Because seemingly, seemingly, in my human eye, he's not done anything. And yet when I come and worship who God is, God's my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. God is a healing God. That might not be for me. That might be something that I'm speaking over my son, but God is still a healing God. God is the banner above everything else. The Bible declares it. In Exodus, it rattles off loads of different names about God. He's provider, he's healer, he's banner. But most of all, and before, if I get wrapped up in my human nature, thinking about all those things, God is still I am. He is still Jehovah. And he always will be. He always has been. We look back in history at the things that have gone on, and yet the one thing remains the same, and it's God. He's never changing. The world can go to pieces, and he's still the same God. That was there when Abraham needed a prophet. Was there when the temple got torn down. He's the God that was there when Jesus came to earth, died on a cross here, giving us life eternal. He was there when Jesus then went to heaven, left the disciples to become apostles and to build the church. He was there when Jerusalem fell. He was there even when we don't see it during the world wars. Believe it or not, he's been there throughout the whole of coronavirus. In five years' time, this is going to be the story of history. What happened when? And it's our job right now to worship God despite what we may be seeing out there because of who he is.